Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash POS for a $1 per month trial. Welcome to the Sunday edition of CNN Five Things. I'm David Rind. And today, we're wrapping up our special series on anti-Asian hate. I'm here with Harmeet Kaur. She reports on culture for CNN. Hi, Harmeet. Hi, David. So recently, you wrote a story on CNN.com about one particular crime in New York City that really shook the community there. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, that crime that you're talking about is um, the killing of Christina Yuna Lee. Uh, Christina was a 35-year-old Korean-American. So Christina Yuna Lee's apartment is right next to a subway station. Last February, she had taken a car back to her place in uh, Manhattan's Chinatown um, after a night out. And as she's entering her apartment building, a man follows her in without her knowledge. Police say that her alleged killer pushed into the door as she went in, followed her six floors up, staying one floor behind her. And And he follows her up uh, all the way to the sixth floor. And, you know, just as she is getting into her apartment and the door is about to close behind her, he forces himself in. Neighbors heard calls for help, dialed 911. And then those calls went silent. Police respond to a 911 call and, you know, they get outside her door, but they can't get in for about an hour and a half. And, you know, when they finally do enter, um, they find her dead in the bathtub. And she had been stabbed Hmm. dozens of times. Just absolutely a horrific scene. Um, It's every woman's worst nightmare. So what made this crime particularly harrowing was that it was one of a string of several violent incidents recently. Tonight, Attorney General Merrick Garland pointing to an alarming rise in violent attacks against Asian Americans, launching a 30-day review to improve the Justice Department's ability to combat hate crimes. It comes amid disturbing new video of a man assaulting a 65-year-old Asian woman in broad daylight in what New York City So just a month before Christina was killed, Michelle Goh, another Asian American woman in New York, had been pushed to her death on the subway tracks. Recently, there was an incident in, um, again, in New York, where one Asian woman was punched and stomped repeatedly by a man who yelled slurs at her. There was another case where seven Asian women were, um, you know, assaulted by the same man in the in a span of two hours. Guy Ying Ma, an elderly woman in Queens, had been struck in the head with a rock last year. She died of her injuries recently. And, you know, it wasn't just in New York either. Um, Julia Lee was killed while driving in St. Paul, Minnesota. Two spa workers in Albuquerque were killed just weeks apart. And we just passed the anniversary of the Atlanta spa shootings in which six of the eight victims were Asian women. Right. This has definitely been cropping up a a bunch. And and how is it making Asian Americans and Asian American women who live in these cities trying to go about their lives, how is it making them feel as, as they venture outside trying to live their life? Yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, um, these incidents have been really terrifying and unsettling um, for many Asian American women. And for Christina Lee, she was just on her way home and someone followed her. I mean, how many of us could that happen to? I mean, daily, right? Mm-hmm. We're all One woman that I spoke with, Hong Lee, said that the killing of Christina had been especially hard because it just felt like that could have been her. They were 
around the same age. They had a mutual friend. Just going back to that um, incident in August 2020, can you talk to me about what was going through your head at that moment? You know, what were you thinking and what were you feeling? I honestly was preparing for the worst case scenario. And, you know, Hong had also experienced an instance of racist harassment that, you know, also had kind of left her feeling really scared ever since. Hmm. Um, You know, in August 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, she was approached by a man at a restaurant in Los Angeles um, who asked to have lunch with her. I then respectfully declined him, told him, no, I'm sorry, I'm married. So he then snatched the business card from me and he started telling me to go back to Asia. She politely declined and after he started yelling just a stream of racist profanities Hmm. and slurs at her, And that went on for several minutes. And, you know, all while that's happening, Hong said that she was terrified that things could escalate even further. And it went on for about two minutes. And during this time, I was just fearful for my life and my safety because he was about 250, 300 pounds, 6'3". I'm only about 5'3", 120 pounds, so I knew that size was not towards my advantage. Since then, Asian-American women have just really been on edge. You know, they're afraid to go out alone. They're afraid to use public transit. You know, Hong told me that, you know, whenever she goes out, she always has pepper spray on her and she walks with her keys between her fingers. But that's even if you're like getting out of your car, walking into work, you're keeping the keys in between the fingers. Definitely. Gosh. I mean, does that get exhausting to... to... It does. It does. It also just became second nature at this point. But, you know, it's it's hard because um, it's hard to quantify the sort of scale of violence. Hate crime. Yeah, why is that? Yeah. Uh, hate crime and bias incident data that are collected by law enforcement agencies um, are notoriously unreliable um, because so many of these incidents are unreported, right? Whether that's because of a language barrier or whether they, you know, have a distrust in um, police or law enforcement or maybe they just want to move on with their lives and, you know, not really think about this anymore. But to address this and get at this, some advocacy groups have started collecting their own data to sort of try to capture the scale of um, racism that has been affecting Asian Americans since the pandemic. I did want to ask about the the pandemic. Is is there a sense that this is uniquely fueling some of these sentiments? Yeah, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, it, it certainly seemed that way. I think the the types of slurs that people were getting directed at them had to do with the virus. There was a sense that the former president had sort of given license to, to use this sort of rhetoric and sort of embolden people. At that time, we called it the Wuhan virus, right? Wuhan. I can name Kung Flu. I can name... 19 different versions of names. But I think now we're in a very different stage of the pandemic. Um, And yeah, many of the experts that I talked to, they said that the pandemic was just sort of what unearthed this and what sort of exposed this. But it's it's been a problem and it's continuing to be a problem. Right. So I guess next question is, what are the possible solutions? Like how are cities aiming to tackle some of this stuff? Right. So it's kind of challenging um, because there isn't really a common thread in all of the attacks that have been reported. You know, in New York, um, there has been some conversation about dressing 
homelessness and about addressing mental health. Department of Sanitation workers dismantled a long-standing encampment under the BQE, displacing residents as part of a two-week blitz to remove about 180 such tent communities. Mayor Eric Adams has announced a plan to remove individuals who are experiencing homelessness from the subways. Um, but, you know, that's this is not a problem that's being driven solely by people who are experiencing homelessness or mental illness. Some of it, um, like experts that I talked to said, is just driven by straight-up racism. And some of the solutions in California, Stop API Hate is working with state lawmakers to address street-level harassment because while the incidents that we're hearing about are the really horrific ones, you know, this is a problem that people experience on the daily and in the form of, you know, threats and, and harassment in public spaces. Yeah, what's, what's, how, how do you get somebody to just, you know, stop yelling a hurtful or insulting word to you on the sidewalk? Like, that, it's a glancing thing, but obviously it has a deeper impact, but that seems kind of difficult to, to stop. Yeah, it's a good question. A couple of bills have been introduced in California to address street harassment. And and those bills basically are tasking um, public transit agencies with doing some research to find data-driven solutions that can help get at this problem. And also, you know, including public safety messaging in, in various languages so that you know, people who experience this harassment are aware of the problem and, and know how to address it. So it's sort of a first step um, in this problem, like the leaders that I talked to noted. But given that the bulk of incidents that Asian women experience are this sort of street-level harassment, advocates are hopeful that this will at least make a little dent in the problem. We are equally, if not more, afraid of things that might happen to the most vulnerable in our community, our grandmothers and our mothers. These are the folks that have come to this country and sacrificed so much, um, and now they're being attacked and killed. You know, I think what really stuck out to me is just that we're talking about this problem now, but the Asian women that I spoke to, um, the advocates and community leaders have just really emphasized that this isn't really anything new. It's something that they have often faced, and it feels a little bit more heightened now um, because of the moment that we're in. But um, it's it's been an ongoing problem, and I think that is really a very harrowing piece of it. Army Corps, uh, CNN Culture, thanks so much. Thanks, David. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Here's something else happening this week. A historic Supreme Court nomination will take another big step forward tomorrow. The Senate Judiciary Committee will vote on Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson before a final vote on the floor. That outcome is not in doubt, though. Last week, we learned that Republican Susan Collins will join Democrats in voting yes to put the first black woman on the high court. The Sunday edition of CNN Five Things is produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Our production manager is Matt Dempsey. Our senior producer is Mohamed Darwish. Our supervising producer is Greg Peppers. And the executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. Remember, Five Things will have the latest for you all week long, whether you're on the go or listening on your smart speaker. I'll talk to you later.
I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.